Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. If your own country is occupied, what would you do? You would resist using all methods. I have seen Starbucks here in Kuwait. If you go to any branch today, wallahi, you will not see one sword. They have lost the strategic war. The only war that they won is killing babies. Your youth have the two powers in their hand. They have the power of Islam and they have the power of the Western world. They know what is going on. As the Israeli war machine is in full motion, the position of the West lays bare the hollowness of its claims to observe international law. With every US-manufactured bomb dropped on Gaza, the vacuousness of its liberal world order is exposed to Muslims and to the world. Yet what can we do about the situation? Lately, many governments have queued up to sign the so-called Abraham Accords with the apartheid state, and it has been concluded, maybe by some, that Arabs no longer care for the Palestinian cause. Today, we get a real feel for the Arab street and what Palestine really means to Muslims in the region. Our guest today is Dr. Tariq Sawedan. He is the CEO and owner of Gulf Innovation Group in Kuwait and was the general manager of Al-Risala Satellite TV, which is ranked amongst the highest in the Middle East. He holds a PhD from the University of Oklahoma and lived in the US for 20 years. Dr. Tariq is recognized as one of the most popular Islamic speakers in the Arab world and was named amongst the 500 most influential Muslims in 2022. Dr. Sawedan authored more than 100 books on Islam and history, he uses Vasira as a source for leadership and strategic thinking. He has trained more than 100,000 students in management and leadership skills, has established five American and Canadian institutes, 
and boasts over 18 million followers on social media. Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Suwaidan, and it's uh, really an honor to have you on our program. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you, Yaqi, for having me, and it's a pleasure to have the chance to speak to the Muslims in the West and the British audience and uh, your audience in the whole world. Barakalafik, I know it's, uh, it's really uh, a, a time of tension for so many of us, for all of the Muslim Ummah. Now let's start with the contention I placed in the introduction. There was a belief that was growing around the world that the Arabs uh, had given up on Palestine. We saw the widening, the broadening of the normalization agreements, the so-called Abraham Accords. Tell me, is this a true depiction of the feeling of ordinary Arab Muslims on the street? Um, uh, no, Yahi. Uh, it is very clear to anyone who knows the politics in the Middle East that the Arabs are oppressed by their own governments. We are not free. Uh, our people are not free. Our armies are used against us. And that's, uh, that's a, a general rule in the whole Arab world, except few countries. Uh, one of them is my country, Kuwait, where we have the freedom to speak up. Uh, every country that has the chance to speak up, like Libya, Algeria, uh, Kuwait, Qatar, you see huge masses, while those who are oppressed are the ones that are, are, are um, not clear about their position. It is very clear to us, and it has been shown now that uh, the, the masses are with, always have been, and are still with the Palestinian cause. Uh, the governments are not, not all of them at least. So uh, we see a, a, a split in the Arab world between governments on this. For example, in the last uh, meeting of the Arab summit, the Libyan uh, representative, he said very clearly that if the borders are open, all the weapons of Libya will be provided to Hamas. That is a very strong statement. Kuwait, for example, my country, uh, we were in war with Israel. We declared war on Israel in 1967. Our, our interior minister announced in, in, this, in these events that we have been in war with the Israelis since 1967. This has not changed. We are still in war. And we do not, we do not recognize Israel. We do not recognize the Israeli passport. And that is why, for example, in the, lately one of the Israelis, he wanted to board one of the Kuwaiti airlines and he presented his Israeli passport and it was refused. This is a passport that we do not recognize. And there was a huge fuzz about it, but Kuwait was very fixed about this. So uh, we see also, of course, uh, the, the, the support of Qatar and the leaders of Hamas are in Qatar today. The, uh, if you want to talk about Algiers, then Algeria had always been one of the strongest supporters of, Hamas, of the resistance in Palestine. And uh, this is on the official level and on the masses. But if you take the masses in anywhere, in Saudi Arabia, in Egypt, I assure you that the masses, except for the few except, uh, uh, exceptions, which is very, very few, are all with, uh, with the resistance and with the liberation of Palestine. 
it is our problem yaqi is with our governments that have been in in relationships clearly or under the table with israel for a long period of time even those who claim resistance many of them are in re- clear relationship for us at least from under the table so um, no it is uh, very clear and we see we see the situation today you take the demonstrations everywhere except in the places that are oppressed you don't imagine how large the demonstrations in the whole arab world so there this is a misconception that i i hope i have cleared dr tal that's very clear but there is a another version of the feelings in the arab street and we see that version sometimes played out in the circles of prominent religious figures in the region who argue that normalization is a good thing we have had 75 years of uh, palestinian resistance but they argue this has failed this hasn't achieved the target and maybe normalization is another means to that end normalization will make life easier for palestinians and uh, in the process it will make this, uh, the region far more calmer how would you respond to to those religious clerics who endorse normalization Yeah, I have not heard one one religious clerk that said this. Not one in the whole Arab world. Hmm. Uh, it, this, these are politicians talking. These are uh, some some Palestinian politicians politicians that are uh, under um, Abu Mazen and his followers. Uh, this is uh, some of the those who have normalized relationships with Israel, but not not one not one. prominent religious leader have said this as a matter of fact it's on the on the contrary for example the official the official mufti of oman sheikh al khalili yesterday went on tv and said these are our enemies and we hope that the resistance will be victorious about among them and he made a huge dua long dua for the resistance to to conquer them and this is official this is the official religious situation of course this is a situation with every religious clerk in in kuwait in uh, algeria in libya in, but even in the countries wallahi akhi, even in the countries that have made relationships with israel which is by the way we consider these countries traitors to our cause even the religious people in these countries not one of one of them said what what you have mentioned not one of them this is only politicians and these politicians even those for example for example we have one lady politician here in kuwait mm-hmm. uh, uh, who uh, before these events voiced uh, a little voice that why don't we reconsider our uh, relation and maybe normalize uh, she 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 went into uh, the elections that which happened about four months ago mm-hmm. and she got only 400 votes in the whole country 400 and in these events wallahi akhi, we did not hear her even once not in any capacity so these people are hiding now uh, especially after what they the whole world have seen of the war crimes that Israel is, is, is committing against our people in Palestine. 
How would you respond to that argument that resistance has failed after 75 years? Okay, it's very, very simple. So what's the alternative to resistance? Peace. So the Palestinians, Yasser Arafat and the others, made peace with Israel 30 years ago. Hmm. What have they achieved? Let's look. Did they achieve a Palestinian state? No. Even the lands that are officially occupied, and this is by the United Nations resolutions, for example, the West Bank, it is full of settlements today, and the number of Israelis living in the West Bank alone have exceeded 600,000. So this is what, what peace have achieved. Now, did it, did it even uh, uh, take uh, out the, the, the misery of the Palestinian people? No. Let's, let's even look deeper than that. Let's look at West Bank. There's no Hamas there in West Bank. There is no resistance there in West Bank. Now, how many have been killed in these events? More than 100 just from the West Bank. How many imprisoned? 1,500. So there's no Hamas. There's no resistance. This is an oppressive re regime. This is an apartheid state that does not recognize the, the people of Palestine. Let's even like, take a deeper look at those who are living in the Palestinian land that was occupied in 1948. And these Palestinians have been issued uh, Israeli passports, and they have no, no choice but to take that. Have they been treated fairly? No, they are second-class citizens, and so on and so on and so on. So uh, the only thing that Israel understands is force. Let's take the other side. By force, we took back Sinai. By force, we took back Gaza. By force, we took back southern Lebanon. So there is no chance to us. But yeah, Jalal, to you and to, your, to any person in your audience, if your own country is occupied, what would you do? You would resist using all methods. Yeah. And you would not accept that half of your country is taken by peace and the other half is taken by force. You would not accept that. So you would resist. And this is the only, the only solution for the Palestinian people. We have been in, in this situation for a very long period of time, 75 years of occupation. And we have seen that it is by force that the Israelis listen. And this has happened so many times. In 1973, when Egypt took and conquered them in, in the battle, when in, in 2004, in 2006, in 2014, and so on. So many, 2018. It was only force that made them listen. And believe me, it, we have tried peace. So our only chance is force. We will free our country with force. Dr. Sawaydan, I hear an argument here in, in the West that um, this is very much a David versus Goliath struggle. The Palestinian resistance groups may have shown some level of strategic ability in these past three weeks, but the collective weight of 
Israel and the West is just too powerful for uh, for resistance groups to overcome. How would you how would you respond? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's let's even look at the, these events. A very simple question. Since the Intifada, when they started with stones, jumping to the war of 2014 with the small rockets here and there. Now, in these latest events, Israel has been crying and uh, uh, the whole U.S. support came to them. Even the president himself came to them. Never happened in a time of war. Does that mean that the resistance is weak? It means that they are the ones that are weak. How much weaponry have the U.S. sent to them and France and U.K. and others? And all of their, their leaders came over. Who is weak? They are the ones that are weak. We have won, Yafi, in all, in all areas. In all areas, even today, today, on the front page of Washington Post, it says that the social media is full of celebrities supporting Palestine. It, I follow the Israeli newspapers, and they say, we have lost the media war. And of course, they have lost the strategic war. The only war that they won is killing babies. That is the only war, which is a cowardness. I mean, uh, with your uh, huge weaponry and you are the fourth army in the world, and the, the maximum you can do is kill more than 3,200 babies already. This is only children. This is not counting the others. 3,200. And if any of your audience is still neutral, I, I say to them, do you still have any humanity? So do you think things have changed this time? I and mean, we have seen um, uh, battles uh, for the last 15, 16 years between Israel and Gaza, or shelling campaigns, really, between Israel and Gaza. We have seen, as you said, going back to the 75-year occupation, we have seen flare-ups, the first intifada, the second intifada. Do you feel things are different this time? Oh, definitely, definitely. You change. How? See, Yahi, um, let me go back to Sirah. The Prophet ﷺ and his companions were oppressed for 13 years in Mecca. And they went to Medina. And in the first battle, they won. The second battle, battle Uhud, they lost. You don't always win. You lose some battles. Uh, that's even the Prophet ﷺ. And the third ba battle, what happened? And the, 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 I'm talking about the major battles. The, the third battle is Al-Ahzab, Al-Khandaq. That the, 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 the ditch that the, the, the companions built around Medina. Yes. They, they brought a huge army, a huge army. By the way, their army, part of it was the Jews. 3,000 Jews were in that army and 7,000 of the Arabs, but 3,000 Jews came to crush Medina, to crush Islam. And they were stopped by this trench for about uh, a whole month. What happened during the month? It was, it, it was a test of faith. And the Prophet 
started the battle with about 1,000 persons with him. At the last days, it is only 300, 300 in front of 10,000. And then they couldn't win and they couldn't stay. And by the way, Israel is in the same situation. If they keep this for three, four months, they are the ones that are going to lose because their economy is, is collapsing. Their, their uh, uh, shekel uh, money is, uh, has lost already 30%. They have pulled this reserves, 360,000. Where did they come from? They came from jobs. And all of these jobs have stopped. And of course, their airline crashed, their uh, tourism crashed, uh, uh, their, uh, their uh, stock market 10% down, and so on. They have lost in the first three weeks, only the first three weeks, they have lost more than a hundred billion. While, while the, the whole support of the U.S. to them is 14 billion. Even America cannot support them now because they, they have a huge war in Ukraine, <laughs> Ukraine that, that's happening and they cannot support both. So who's winning? Who's winning? Can I ask you about the West? Now, they've backed Israel to the point where uh, the United States has vetoed every, even a moderate call for a humanitarian corridor in, at the UN. They've vetoed everything and they've given their consent to uh, the Israeli actions to the Israeli state. Um, how powerful do you believe the United States is after 20 years of the, of the war on terror? How powerful does it remain in the uh, Middle East region and in the Muslim <laughs> world in general? First of all, this is not new. We know that U.S. has supported the Israeli state since the beginning. It is the first, the first country in the whole world that recognizes Israel. And these vetoes have been used to, against us every time. And by the way, the, the respect and fear that their people had for the U.S. is no longer, Yaqi, no longer. They were beaten in Vietnam. They were beaten in Afghanistan. They are beaten in Iraq. They have been beaten in every war they go in. Americans, Americans are a curse for anyone that they support. <laughs> so we don't fear them anymore. We started this conversation by talking about the so-called Arab street and Again, I live here in, in Britain and Western commentators often comment about the divide between the elderly and the Shabab, the, the youth. Uh, the majority of the Arab street today are young people. In the Muslim world, the majority are young people. And there is this belief that uh, the young, the youth in the Muslim world, they don't experience the same level of uh, fear uh, uh, that maybe uh, uh, you know impacted the elderly generation. Do you see? I mean, you are someone who who speaks to many of the Arab youth through your strategic uh, leadership conferences. Do you see that difference between young people and old people in the Arab world? And is that a good sign? Yeah, okay, uh, let's let's leave the Arab people aside. Let's look at the American people. Hmm. I saw today on the news a statistics about this question, the divide between the youth and the adults in America. 
and their support of Israel. Between these generations, it has shrunk, starting with 84% about 30 years ago. Now it is at 48%. And that is in America itself. My, my uh, uh, children are in the States studying there. And they tell me that what is happening in campuses is, is unbelievable. Today, please, any one of you, just open the website and take a look at Washington Post and see the front page today. And you will see that they, they mention in, on the front page. It is unbelievable that um, the amount of support on social media that the celebrities have announced, even the celebrities in the state. So now let's go back to the Arab masses. For example, let's, let's take a check on one very simple, the boycott. The boycott for Starbucks and Burger King and McDonald's and KFC. And you do not imagine what's happening here. Wallahi, wallahi, ya Akhi Jalal. I have seen Starbucks here in Kuwait. And they have, they have, I don't know, at least a hundred branches in this small country. I have seen one of the branches with people lining up for more than half an hour to get a chance to get a coffee. Now, I swear, if you go to any branch today, wallahi, you will not see one sore. <laughs> to the level that they have, they made announcements on newspapers and everywhere. We have no relation with Israel. Yes, you might not have a relationship with Israel, but your mother company have announced its support to, to Israel. And if any of you have any relation with any business in the West, please tell them that if they do have any relation with Israel, any support with Israel, we will crush their business in the whole, not Arab world, the whole Muslim world. Today, there is a huge movement, a huge movement, not only among the Arab youth. Um, there is a coalition that is happening in the whole Muslim world. And I have been supporting that. So I know what's going on. In the whole Muslim world, in the whole, not Arab world, the whole Muslim world, a coalition among the youth to crush any business that have any relationship with Israel. So yes, when Israel, 10 million people, you will lose 2 billion. It is your choice. Do you think uh, these boycott plans are long-term? Um, I remember, uh, Dr. Swaydan, after the Iraq war invasion or after the Afghanistan invasion, there was a similar campaign to boycott McDonald's and Burger King. Uh, but these places became full within a few years' time. Um, that is true. That is you know, true. How how uh, convinced are you that this time round it's going to be different? Yes. Okay. This is a very important question. I have seen that too. And I have seen the boycott, not only in the Iraq war, even before that. And what is different? What is different is that at that time there were calls and there was a response. What is different today? Today it is not calls. It is organized. It is a permanent organization. 
That is what's happening. This was not at that time happening. This is the first time I've seen this. Yeah, I, uh, yes, I'm, I might look younger than that, but I am 70 years old. And I have, I have, I have followed all of these events for a long period. I, have, I, I was aware of the 1967 war. I, so what is happening today is different, not only on the military front, even on the boycott. It's a very simple check. You want to know a check? Just take a look at their stock market prices and you will see what's happening. Then you will know that this boycott is successful. And this is a warning to any business that is supporting or even thinking of supporting Israel. We will crush your business and you're in the whole Muslim world. Two billion will boycott you. It is already being organized and it is a permanent organization and it is your choice. Dr. Swaydan, I sent a Twitter message out yesterday about some of the actions, the organized actions our Muslim countries can do to boycott Israel. And actually everyone who responded to me said, the problem is we're not unified. We don't have Muslim countries do not work together in an organized fashion. So you've described very well there that the Muslim masses are beginning to organize. But why do our countries remain in such a mess where they don't organize together to collaborate to bring down this occupation? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're talking as if these, these uh, governments are sincere to their ummah. They are not. They are not. Most of these uh, governments are traitors. Let's, let's take examples. You can see the example in anywhere in the Arab world. The normalization of relationships between Israel and Egypt is one of the longest. It's, it's the first one in the Arab world, Camp David Accord. And that happened more than 40 years now. Few months ago, one Egyptian singer took a picture with one Israeli singer. Wallahi, you don't imagine what happened to him. All the masses were against him just for, for taking a picture. Take a, if anyone of you is following what's happening, take a look at the amount, the, the, the number of people demonstrating 
in Egypt against the Israelis. And this is a country that has normalized relationships with more than 40 years. More than that. Take a look at even one voice raising them their voices for Israel in the whole Arab world, in the whole Muslim world. Yeah, even more than that. We have seen demonstrations in the whole West. We were amazed by the demonstrations that happened in UK. We were amazed. You know, how many demonstrations have been pro this Jewish state in the whole world? How many people attended? Etc. 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 So, who is winning? Again, if we're talking lives, then again we don't fear death, and they are with Allah in the highest level of heaven. If they are talking buildings, we will rebuild. But in every other front, we're winning. Can I ask you about the place and status of Islam in the Muslim world now? For maybe 100 years, of course, we can go back even beyond 100 years. The Ummah can be described as being in a state of turmoil. And uh, there's a, a discussion about, uh, and it's a perennial discussion about decline. Is the Muslim Ummah now just managing our decline? Are we like Rome or Greece, a decline civilization that would never recover? Or are you hopeful of some renaissance of Islamic civilization? I, I did a full research on this in one of my books. And I, I, um, I detailed it in six books called The Future of Islam. Let me explain it in, um, I'm trying to be not too academic on this. Please. How do civilizations rise and how do they fall? Usually, civilizations take a very long time to reach the summit. Mm. How do they fall? They fall very quickly. This, is, this happened to the Persian civilization, for example, 1,000 years until they reached their summit. When Islam started, they were at their summit. The first battle, the first battle between the Muslims and the Persians happened on the 11th year of Hijrah, 12th year of Hijrah. Uh, 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 in the time of Abu Bakr radiallahu on the 18th year of Hijrah, six years there were no more civilization no more Persian civilization in six years take a look at another civilization let's take a look at the Byzantine civilization the Byzantines controlled Eastern Europe the whole of Syria and surrounding and the whole of North Africa and they had three capitals. The capital of the north, which is uh, Constantinople, which is Istanbul now. The, the capital of the east, which is Damascus. And the capital of North Africa, which is Alexandria. The first battle between Muslims and the Byzantines happened on the 12th year of Hijrah. By the 18th year of Hijrah, six years again, Muslims have taken Damascus and all of the eastern side of the Byzantines, and they have taken over Alexandria and Egypt, and in a few years later, they took the whole of North Africa. They were cracked in six years. Now let's take a look at Islam. Islam did 
does not follow the regular civilization curves. Islam jumped like a rocket. The Prophet ﷺ started his state very small, a city state, just in Medina. This is in the first year of Hijrah. He died in the 11th year of Hijrah. There were some uh, people who are turned away from Islam. They came back. By the 12th of year, year of Hijrah, Muslims have already conquered the Persians and the Romans, or the Byzantines. And that, as I said, six years later, they took over. This is a rocket. And that continued later on with the Umayyads and the Abbasids and the first part of the Ottomans. We continued on the upside until the year 998. This is when the Ottomans failed for the third time to take Vienna in Austria. Since that time, we have been declining. We have been declining, Yahi, for more than 400 years. We don't follow civilization curves. Civilizations crash. We, don't, we didn't crash. So we went down. Yes, and down and down for many reasons. And then we reached the bottom. Not today. We reached the bottom in 1967 when we lost the war to Israel and they took our holy mosque, Al-Aqsa, and we did, not, we did not revolt. That is the weakest point of Muslims. I, I, am, I was aware at that time. I, I was shouting for the Egyptians in 1967, thinking that they won. And then six, years, six days later, we found out that, that we lost miserably. Wallahi akhi. That was the start of our revival. Since that time, we started going up. I remember, Yaqi, in 1970, in Kuwait University, there were only three girls wearing hijab. Only three girls. I know that because one of them was my sister. So three, day, three girls today, percentage of hijab in, in Kuwait University is more than 95%. Take Turkey, 80 years of secularism. And then what happened? Even hijab was not allowed by the law of the country. Now take a look at, at, at the demonstration that happened today. Today, look at the, one million people turned out for, for Palestine and see how many hijab you see and so on. Gallup, Gallup had made a survey of the Arab world. Every, they asked a very simple question. Uh, do you consider yourself religious? The, the average in the whole Arab world is 84%. In some countries, it is 95%. And in some Muslim countries, it is 99%. So we're not, we are not weak anymore. The revival has happened. Yes, we still have a huge uh, undertaking, and that is to get rid of our traitors. These are the ones that are holding us back. And that will happen. Yeah, 
you and I and everyone have seen the Arab uprise. Who would have imagined, imagined even, that six, six Arab presidents fell in one year? In 2011, six of them fall, fell down. Who would have imagined that? Yeah, that will happen again. It Can was not you? the end. It is not, it is, the, the, the whole masses are boiling and it will, it will explode again. So I want to ask you about that uh, as you raise the issue of the Arab Spring, because uh, as you know, many uh, Western commentators, they today call it an Arab winter. We're returned back to dictatorships and strong men and, you know, and uh, uh, tyrannical uh, governments, uh, as you said, people who betray both Ummah and, and Palestine. So do you think this is just part of a process and the Arab Spring is yet continuing? Yeah, when the Arab Spring happened, I was on Al Jazeera and many other TVs, and they asked me about the Arab Spring. I said, stop calling it the Arab Spring. Hmm. It is not the Arab Spring. It is the Arab Autumn. Because in the autumn, leaves fall down. And they continue to fall down for a long period of time until spring comes. And then you will see the flowers and you will see the, the fruits coming back again. We, have, we, we, are still, we are still in the autumn. We have not reached the spring yet. The spring is still coming. Winter is not there. We, we have passed winter. Winter was when we were occupied. When, when America and the UK and uh, France and uh, Italy and every other European country sucked our bloods. For so many years, when France sucked the blood of the Algerians for 140 years, that was the winter. When the UK was occupying our country, Kuwait, that was the winter. When, when the whole Arab world was, almost all of it, was under occupation, that was our winter. And then we, are, we, we reached the autumn. We reached the summer. And that, that is independence. And we, we have reached the autumn, and that is getting rid of some of these traitors. But spring is still yet to come, Yaqi. I am in, in touch with the masses. I'm in touch with, with, the, with the youth. I have trained 100,000 of them all over the world. Wallahi, Yaqi, it is still coming. It is not yet there. And when you see it, and you will see it in your lifetime, inshallah, you will see it. Then you will see the wonders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how things change. Muslims, Muslims were oppressed for 13 years. And then because of hijrah, one year, the whole thing changed. And when the hijrah happened, Muslims were not immediately strong. It took them five years to, to defend. And then there was a word that the Prophet ﷺ said that many people do not know. In the Battle of Khandaq, there, was, there wasn't a fight. Very few people killed both sides. Very few, less than 20. So, and there was, uh, it was the only defending. We're trying to stop them from taking over Medina for a whole month. And then they gave up and they left. What did the Prophet ﷺ said? After that, immediately after that, 
said, from this day on, we attack them. Mm. We do not defend anymore. In the West, uh, we have many talented Muslims and um, uh, many of them, they want to do good for Islam. They want to contribute to Islam, especially amongst young people. I have been amazed in just these last three weeks how many uh, tech entrepreneurs have come together, how many businessmen have come together, how many academics and thinkers, and they're trying to join up their work. Um, what is your message to the Muslim youth in the West? Um, this is very important again. You know, and I think your audience know, that I lived in the West. I lived in America for 17 years. So I know the West from the inside. And um, I, I, I took my high school from there, all the way to my PhD, all, all in the U.S. And uh, my children were raised, born and raised in the U.S., from pre-KG all the way to PhD. So I know the West very well. And I have been in touch with the Muslim youth, and I have been training them. The first training I gave, Yaakhi, was in 1986. Huh? So I have been, I have been, and still in touch with them. Wallahi, Yaakhi, after 50 years in da'wah, Wallahi, I am, I'm swearing by Allah. Wallahi, alladhi la ilaha illahu. I have not seen a better Muslim youth generation than the present one. Wallahi, this is amazing what is happening. Their awareness of what's going on is amazing, partially thanks to social media, but, but that was a support for us. This is amazing, the, the, the professionalism that I have seen in them, I have not seen in all the generations that I've been in touch with. And I have trained the youth from the East and the West. Yaqi, for example, I do a leadership training in Istanbul every year for about 130 young men and women that we choose from all over the world, usually from 30 countries in the world. Every year, year after year, the best among them are the youth that are coming from the West. Better than all youth in the Muslim world. Of course, there are exceptions. But in general, I'm talking, what is this? This is amazing. They have been raised with an Islamic value, with adherence, true adherence to Islam, with a huge awareness. And in every part of business or professionalism, in every area of life, they are really, really very high standard. So your youth have the two powers in their hand. They have the power of Islam and they have the power of the Western world. They know what is going on. And there's something psychological happening. When I went to the state, I was a student. I never migrated. I never applied for, for their uh, passport. But I have seen many of my friends begging to be, become American. And they had this inferior feeling in, in their heads and in their actions. You do not see this in the second generation and third generation. They are British, they are Americans, they are French. They, they should act like that. This is your country and you should pressure 
your politicians to change their stand and you should make them fall down in elections if they don't. So you don't have this fear that the migrants had. So use it. Use this, all of this. So use Islam and your area of, uh, of business and use your, uh, your citizenship to, to support your ummah. This is what you should do. Finally, um, uh, I have um, uh, experienced, and I think many Muslims have experienced over these past few weeks, uh, very challenging times, psychologically very challenging times. Um, how do we fortify our iman in these times? SubhanAllah, I, I observe the iman of those in Gaza, and I wonder at uh, their amazing qualities. How do we... Uh, gain that level of iman, that level of taqwa that we see on the faces and in the uh, words of, uh, of those beleaguered in, in Gaza? Very important question. Of course, the first source is reading the Quran. You will see what Islam teaches us about courage, about uh, adhering to our religion, uh, defending our faith, uh, facing our enemies, not fearing death. That's what Islam teaches us. And then learn from the people of Gaza, as you said. Wallah, it's amazing. I challenge, I challenge anyone to find one, one Palestinian complaining, why, why Allah have you done this to us? You do not hear that. That is the level of Iman. Even more than that, Yaqi. I have a challenge for my Western audience. Find me, not in the West Bank, but in, in Gaza. Find me one Palestinian, one Palestinian that does not support the resistance. Not one, huh? In 2.2 million, you cannot find even one. That is the level of support. So yeah, it is a message to the Israelis. You are not fighting. 35,000 militants of Hamas and 10,000 militants of the other uh, uh, groups. You are fighting 2.2 million in Gaza and 2 billion in the whole Muslim world. This is our source of, of faith. We're, we're not weak, we're strong. I have written an article called We Should Cry and celebrate at the same time. Yes, we do cry because we're, we're humans. When you, when you see a young woman hugging her dead son, I have never seen in my life more agony than a woman losing a child. Now imagine 3,200 kids with 3,200 women the women that you have not seen. Then, then, this is, this should boil in your heart. I should do something about this. This is genocide. This is mass murder. This is, this is not defending Israel. This is inhumane in every aspect. And it, I'm not talking even to Muslims, to those who are not Muslims. Do you still have any humanity in you when you see this? And then 
another major source of support is when we see the victories. Don't, don't look only at the agony. Look at the victories. Look what is happening inside Israel. It's a political division, military division, with hesitation. You see economy crushing, tourism crush. Uh, uh, you see people from Israel running out, running out, while you see at the same time hundreds, thousands trying to get back to Palestine. It is their land. This is how you look at your land. You don't run away from your land. Uh, if I may uh, ask you one very last question. You are a master of, of Sira, and um, you give, uh, as you said, training. You train young people in how they should think strategically applying the Sira. How important is it for all of us to study the battles Ghazawat of the Prophet ﷺ and make that as part of our basic routine, like we study the ayat of Quran and like we study the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. It doesn't work that way, Akhi. If you are looking for strategic lessons from Sira, then you should learn it from those who teach strategy. I have, I, I'm te I'm, I teach strategy. I've written several books about it, and at the same time, I have written the Encyclopedia of Sira in six books. Let's try to combine them. This is a, a very short, quick lesson to your audience how to do this. In Sira, we know, we all know, that Muslims migrated from Mecca to Abyssinia, to Al-Habasha. Why did they migrate? Because they were oppressed. When did they migrate? It is unanimous among all scholars that this happened in the fifth year, not of Hijrah, the fifth year of Islam. Fine. So they were oppressed. They were looking for a land to, to, to take refuge with. That is not true. This is not true. This whole thing is not true. Let me give you the proof. Who was the first one to migrate? This is mentioned in Sahih Muslim. The first one to migrate is Uthman ibn Affan. Uthman was never oppressed. He was never touched. Who is the leader of the Muslims in Al-Habasha, in Abyssinia? Ja'far, the son of Abu Talib. Why didn't the Prophet ﷺ migrate? Because he was protected by his uncle, Abu Talib. Now Abu Talib would, would protect his nephew and he would not protect his own son. Ja'far was never touched. He was never touched. Even more than that, if that was the reason, then when Muslims migrated to Medina and started the Islamic State in Medina, there were 83 Muslims in Abyssinia led by Ja'far. Why didn't they come back? Why didn't they come back? At that time, it takes only five days from Abyssinia to Medina. Why did they stay after Hijrah seven years? And this is mentioned in the Hadith. I do not know 
Which one should I celebrate more? The conquer of Khyber, which was Jewish, and or the, the, uh, the coming of Ja'far. So he did not come until the seventh year. Why would they stay for seven years there? Yeah, that was a strategic plan because the Persians, which was the number one global power in the whole world, was surrounding the Arab Peninsula. They were on control of the East, Persia. They were in control of the Northeast, which is Iraq. They took control of Yemen in the South. And then during the life of the Prophet they took over the North. They took over Syria and the surrounding. They took it from the Byzantines. And then they took over even the Northwest, which is Egypt. The Persians, go, take a look at any history book, any history book. Not, you don't need a Muslim book. You will see that. So they were surrounding the Arab Peninsula from all sides. The only side that was still open was the West, Abyssinia. So this was plan B in, in case that we are crushed and the Arab Peninsula is taken over by the Persians. We have a place to move from. That is strategic planning. So you don't look at strategic planning by small events and the battle here and there. You take a look, take a look at the whole picture. I explained that in my book. Uh, inshallah, this is being translated, by the way. And, uh, uh, and that is the encyclopedia. I call it the illustrated encyclopedia of Sira because it is all in pictures and colors and new maps. And it's a combination of Sira and strategy, combination of Sira and leadership. Barakallahu Dr. Swaydan. I get from your our conversation today that there's a lot to be optimistic about. You should always be optimistic if you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you believe in his promise. If you're victorious to Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be victorious to you. So the only thing that we need to, is, to do is really adhere to our religion and make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pleased with us. Then you'll see the, the amounts of mercy and victory that he will bestow on all of us. And thank you for having this opportunity to reach your great audience. And thank you for your great work on spreading the message of Allah. It's an honor, honor to have you with us. Please remember to subscribe to our social media and YouTube channels and head over to our website thinkinmuslim.com to sign up to my weekly newsletter. Jazakallah khair. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.